Hi everyone, welcome back to the Grow To Be Free podcast. I am so excited today to release to you this episode. It's another one about mental health and I know it's a tough subject to talk about, but I'm excited to release it to you because I feel like you'll come away with it with some tangible strategies and some actual tips that can really actually help you in your own life. So this does serve as a trigger warning for anybody who does struggle with their mental health. I am interviewing Clarity Coach Ariana Lusane, and she talks about her mental health journey in overcoming depression and suicidal thoughts that she had for five years. So In the episode, you will hear that she talks about how she was able to overcome it on her own will and not saying that you can't do that, but neither I or Ariana recommend that anybody try that on their own. So if you are going through depression or if you have suicidal thoughts, we do strongly recommend that you seek immediate help so that way you can be taken care of by a licensed or professional counselor or therapist. And if you are going through an urgent crisis, and do need somebody to talk to, please reach out to 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. Or you can text TALK to 741-741 and that is the line that can really get you in touch with somebody who can help you immediately. So um, I have to say that so that way you guys know where to go depending on where you're at in your mental health journey. If you do feel comfortable listening to some very tangible tips, I do recommend highly reviewing the the tips shared in this podcast. So I hope that you um, take away a lot. Now, without further ado, here's the episode. Welcome growth seekers and freedom fighters to the Grow To Be Free podcast. I'm your host, Kiani Williams, and it is my goal to help you reach your fullest potential through listening to the stories of real women who have broken through a new level of life. And so listen in and take notes because you're going to learn so many practical and tangible tips to help you grow to your fullest potential in business and in life. So let's get to it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Grow to Be Free podcast. I am so excited to introduce to you guys Ms. Ariana Lusane. She's the owner of Freedom Riders and she is a clarity coach. And she's also a mom and she's also a minister. She has an amazing podcast as well. So, Ariana, I'll hand it to you to introduce yourself to the audience. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. I was so excited to do this. I am, as you said, Ariana Lusane. I'm the owner of Freedom Riders. And I'm a clarity coach, which means I help people gain clarity in who they are, where they want to go, and how to get there. Yes, I'm a minister. I'm a mom of four children. So my house is always crazy chaotic and a wife and all the other titles that we hold, right, in life. I have tons of them. And yeah, so I'm excited to be here. Yes, I am really excited to share her with all of you because she has an incredible story. Today, we are talking about how to break free from depression. And and if you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time, you will know that we talk about mental health a lot. And so I'm going to have Ariana share her story about depression and, and how she ended up having suicidal thoughts and getting into depression, how she is now a clarity coach today and completely a different changed person. <laughs> 
free yeah. from all of that. So Ariana, go ahead. So I've battled depression for five years and suicidal thoughts. And I was like the one that you never would think, like nobody would ever think she would like be down that road. And I was, I found myself there. I went through a really horrible divorce when I was pregnant with my son, which is my second child. And it just like spiraled from there. I went through all of the, why am I not good enough? And what did I do? And then the anger and the resentment. And it was so much to go through while pregnant that it was just overbearing. It was overwhelming. So it really took a long time to get out of that just headspace. My, my, me and my first cousin, we divorced and I had my son maybe three months later or so. And I was depressed the entire time. Like my entire pregnancy was so horrific and not because of being pregnant, which is interesting because he was my easiest baby pregnancy. My girls were the worst. They were just, they had me sick all nine months or, or scared. And my son was like the best. And ironically, he's born on Valentine's day. So he's the cutest, um, but externally it was hard. It was really rough. And that's what triggered my depression was that first divorce and I got to this place where I thought I had worked through it and I had a best friend in five years and we got married and then we went through our first marital problems in the beginning of our marriage. And it just set me straight down. It was horrific. It was hard. Of course, all of your old triggers come up because what we do as women, we think we dealt with it. If we get into this new me, new vibe, I'm going to change my hair. I cut off all my hair, <laughs> cut off all my hair, dyed the front of my hair like blonde. The rest of it was like this chocolate color. It was gorgeous. But that's like the first sign of maybe you're not okay. Like you get out of a relationship and you change your hair and all that. 99% sure that's like the first sign. Maybe we need to check on ourselves. And so I did all of that and I thought I was so good. And then I got remarried to my now husband and we just went through some rocky patches. And it literally just, I hit some of the lowest points in my life. And I started having suicidal thoughts. I was addicted to sleeping pills. I was drinking. It was so bad that like I took, I was taking the sleeping pills to try to go to sleep because I was always crying, but I was always crying. And it was at the, like the sleeping pills didn't even help me sleep. It, it was hard. And then I got pregnant with my third and here I am in depression. So two of my pregnancies were like depressed, you know, or we're sad and you already have the hormones and all of those things and postpartum depression, you have all the things. And then you add the fact that you don't feel like you're adequate as a woman, as a mom. I dealt with a lot of mom guilt, feeling like I didn't give my kids the picture perfect family. So it was a lot at one time and nobody understood what I was going through. Nobody got it. My friends turned against me because they just, I was a very toxic person. I'm now in a space where I can admit that because sometimes we can't admit that we're the toxic person, but I was going through so much. And what I wish now is that people understand if, if somebody is going through, maybe they just are genuinely, they don't know how to come out of that toxicity. I would have out-of-body experiences where I knew that I was letting my emotions control me and I couldn't stop it. And I just literally in my head, I would watch myself be spasmatic and like, overreact and black out and become a totally different woman that like genuinely nobody knows me as that person like this area that you see today is how all of my family everybody knew me so when I was like depressed and blacking out and spazzing and I was an emotional wreck it was so night and day but I would literally feel like I was in my body watching it because depression is that strong like sadness 
anger, anxiety, resentment, if you don't deal with it, it really takes over you. And I felt so out of control. And it got to the point with my, my, my husband now, and thank God, he God brought us through and we're good. But I would have moments where I knew I was just doing crazy. I was being crazy and I couldn't stop myself. That's how hard and how strong like that spirit of depression can get where you literally become a prisoner to yourself. And that's how I got to suicide because I was just like, I can't break out of this. Like, this is hard. And I, and it's funny because a lot of people think that your children should be the cause. That's what like your children, that's what they say to people who are suicidal. All my friends left. My family didn't understand. Everybody's like, just pray about it. And I like to be honest, I went to church every single Sunday, every Sunday I was in church and I was going home depressed. I was going home wanting to kill myself. I was going home trying to OD on pills because it was a lot. And, um, I remember the last like episode I had as far as suicide. Like I was, it was like a, a normal day, but my kids were at school. My husband was like, I work, whatever. And I think we had got into it or something. And I was just tired. Like I had done it now. I was on year five, like I was tired. And I sat literally on my floor with a pillow, a knife, wine, and pills, my three go-to friends. And I just like screaming out, praying and crying. Like, I can't do this anymore. It's too much. And it's not that my kids weren't enough because that's what people think. It was that they were so much enough that I felt like I wasn't good enough for them. And um, every time that makes me cry, like I can't even. And that's how I felt. I felt like I, I, I was doing them a favor. Like I was going to do them a favor. Like they could probably have a better life if I wasn't here because I was making all the wrong decisions. I was making all the wrong moves as a mom, as a wife, as a everything. And I just prayed and I screamed and I cried. And I was like, oh, I'm done. And thank God I'm here. I'm alive. I'm good. But when I woke up, God said, if you're still here, you still have purpose. And that was everything for me because I felt like I didn't have purpose. I felt like there was no reason for me. You go through things in life and it's so early to get deep, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> but every time I tell the story, it brings me to tears because it, that's a hard space to be in. And when I heard that, when I woke up, that sealed the deal for me. It basically let me know that every day I'm breathing, I'm meant to be here versus I didn't feel like I deserved to be here. I didn't know why I was here because I was making all the mistakes. I was doing everything wrong. Second marriage, everything's going wrong. I'm moving my kids place to place, all the things. And when I heard that, it just like light bulbed me. Everybody doesn't make it every day. So then why am I feeling so valueless? And then that's how it's starting on my path of freedom riders and getting myself out of depression. I never seeked help, which I don't recommend. It was hard to fight it by myself, but it was my journey because this is my purpose to help other women and help other men, whoever, how to get out of it in a way that maybe they feel like nobody understands. So yeah, like I said, I'm sorry I got deep in the beginning. It always makes me cry though. That is an incredible story, and I'm really glad that you shared that. I almost started crying, too, because especially what you were sharing about being a mom and, and you felt like it, like your kids would be better off without you at that point. Like, that's a really deep and dark place to be. And so I think that really just painted the picture for the listeners and, and how deep you were in that space. And I'm really impressed that you said that you got out of it by yourself and and so when you say that do you mean that you didn't go to therapy did you 
how, how did you start transitioning? I didn't go to therapy and it, I want to say it was probably a couple of reasons. Number one, I wasn't working. Like I had literally lost everything, jobs, cars, everything. So I wasn't working and I wasn't even thinking of like free help. And then we're just now living in a world where therapy is okay. In my world, it was just praying. And I did every single doggone day. If you ask me, how did I make it out? I definitely believe going to church every, I never missed a Sunday the whole time, but I believe it was my lifeline. That was my saving grace. I had something to hold on to when some people have nothing. At least I was going to hear something that was giving me hope. You know what I mean? So I did it and it wasn't purposely. I do want to make that very clear. Like it wasn't purposely. Like I didn't make the decision. Like I'm just not going to therapy because I don't agree with it. I just didn't. Yeah. And how long ago was this? I'm trying to put it in the right timeline. So now four years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Even four years ago, mental health was not something that's on the top of people's minds. I feel like it's just now barely scratching the surface throughout COVID. And For so sure. I, even me, I think three years ago, I had an, a panic attack and I didn't even know what a panic attack was. So it's like at the time I, and you're going through that, you don't even know what's wrong. And I think it's really interesting that you were, you consistently went to church and you were going through this. Did, did anybody at church know about what you were going through? Did you feel comfortable sharing that? Actually, yes and no. So my, um, apostle, my pastors are my aunt and my uncle. <laughs> My mom is in the church. Like, so it's a, a family church. Um, and, and my friends at the time, they went there. So what kind of happened in my second marriage was very public at my church. So I was literally going through also like super embarrassment. Like what happened was so embarrassing and people attacked. Like I went through a lot and still stood up in church and was like making sure I was singing and doing all the things that like I was over while being like public humiliation, not from my family, but just people in the church that did certain things. And it was a lot. So yes, they knew, but they didn't know. I will say this. My family didn't know how deep because I was always looked at as a strong one. I was so afraid to tell them. I'm thinking about community like, I don't want anybody to take my kids. You don't want people to take your kids away from you. You don't not love your kids because you're depressed. <laughs> so I was honestly afraid to even divulge everything. and. I think they found out probably when I like told my story publicly that I was drinking and taking six pills. They had no idea. So some stuff I just didn't tell them because while they are my pastors and my mom, like they're still my family. So I was embarrassed if I tell, if I be honest, like I was embarrassed, but they knew like I was, I went through divorce and marital issues and stuff like that, but they did not know. I literally think they didn't find out like how deep it was until like I started sharing my story in my business <laughs> and like on a live on Facebook. <laughs> That's really interesting. I feel like, especially now, I've heard of a lot of people in the church, and um, I, I'm Christian as well. I don't know if I, I told you that or not, but no. uh, yeah, I go to the I go to a church out here that's a non denominational Christian church. We are too, yeah. Awesome, yeah. And so I think now it's a little bit better with mental health. I feel like people are more open to it. But I've heard so many stories of people who have been in the church in the past and they've actually left the church because of the mental health issues that they were going through and because they were either put down because of their mental health state. People right. didn't understand what it was. They 
and and they were shunned from the church and it leaves a bad taste in their mouth. And so yeah. I'm very curious what your perspective is on that and how that affected you in your life. So I think that's why God has called me to do what I do because I totally understand, although I wasn't shunned by my pastors, right? Like by my family, but there were people in the church that were very mean to me that did a lot that like talked about me really bad and all of that. And it was hard being depressed and being in church because I, I don't think, and I, I want people to understand, I don't think that all the time people are just like, just pray about it because they don't care. I think they don't know. Being a life coach or a therapist is different from being a pastor or, or a minister. And I might sound weird to some people, but you, it's no different than just understanding experiences differently. I just think that my family, we are full of strong women. Like we are, we don't do that. That's not what we do. So I don't think it was intentional that they didn't know how to help me. And, oh, and, and to that, I hit a lot because I was afraid, me, for being looked at as weak. But I don't think it was that they didn't want to. I just think some people speak out of the best that they know how. And sometimes the only answer they have is prayer because they didn't go through marital issues or they've never been depressed or whatever. So I think as people, we have to be kinder and gentler even in church to understand that maybe that person just doesn't know. And like for me, I plan on getting um, my master's in Christian counseling to counsel at my church because it's different. And I think we have to understand it's okay to have a license Christian counselors in our church that can sit down and have these conversations from a perspective of mental health, of emotional instability. And it's totally okay. We need it. Like my church is so open to it. They're like, yes, somebody, please. And I think that's why God had me go through it by myself because I also have real life experience. I'm not going to tell you something I didn't. I just learned in the textbook. All I have is the real deal. Yep, I've been addicted to sleeping pills. Yep, I was drinking it. I can only give you the real deal and then I'll have the studies to back it up. But I think that's why I had to go through it by myself and didn't get it, even the mindset to go get a therapist because somebody has to be the one. A lot of people don't like what the one entails, but if you want to be the one, I went through hell to be the one. You know what I mean? I just think we have to have more compassion for Maybe they just don't know. And that's absolutely okay. Like, I just think people didn't know how to help me. They try their best out of what they know. And sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah, that's so true. And and it sounds like your family was at least supportive in, in doing that. Absolutely. They helped me in every way possible. That's why, like, when I tell a story, I, I never want to make it seem like I didn't have a support system. I actually had the best support system, and it still was hard. So... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing about mental health. It's all in here. And so therefore it's really inside yourself. And even mm -hmm. if you do have people around you that can help you out, it's like, you're dealing with a lot internally. I feel like even if you're sitting across from a therapist who is talking to you, you can easily just be sucked into whatever's going on in your head. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think people have to know about mental health, about depression is that you have to want to change. This is it's, this is the hard pill that I tell people. I'm like, I'm the real coach. I'm gonna give you the honest truth. It wasn't until I decided that I was sick of being depressed. I didn't have to be depressed for five years. 
a lot of people would be like, oh, no, I didn't have to be. But it was something about rehearsing the wrong that everybody did to me that made me feel validated. So you hang on to that validation because you think if you let it go, then it means that they weren't wrong. And so I kept myself imprisoned for years because to me, it was like, if I don't keep rehearsing it, then they get off the hook. It's really interesting for me to talk to people who are depressed because I try to be compassionate, but at the same time, I don't want you to go through it as long as I did because you don't have to. And only you can break you out of the prison. The other thing that like when I got up and, you know, I had my moment with God and I was like, okay, like I clearly I've tried enough times. Like it's not going to work, girl. He doesn't like you're meant to be here. Get over it. But what the scripture that I got was faith without works is dead. And God reminded me, I never left you. Like every moment and every tear you've cried, I've been there. But if you decide to continue to operate in the state of depression, like that's a choice. And so it may not, may not even be that your faith is off because I have strong faith. Like I believe God for any and everything. Have a faith conversation with me. I'm going to make sure you get your faith on point. Like I'm a faith girl, but my works sucked. It sucked. And so sometimes we forget that it also, we have a part in our healing. You have a part in your healing. And so for me, what I got out of it is strategies. If you were to ask me, how do I get out of it? Like strategies. So when I heard that and I got that revelation of that scripture, like faith without works is dead, every day I did something different. So like one day I was crying in my bed, I went to cry on my couch. And then the next day I was crying in my car. And then all of a sudden I might've been crying, but the tears started to lessen and I started to do more. Oh my God. It just makes me so excited. It makes me like cry at the same time. Cause I feel so much freedom when I give people this strategy. People don't think they need strategy to get out of trauma, but you do. And it literally was simplistic, but like when you're in it, it doesn't seem like it, but that's what I did. Every single day I did something different. And then every single day, the tears stopped coming. Then I started to pull back the layers of like, why do I feel this way? And let me deal with my lack of confidence. And you know what? I'm better than this. It's like a blooming flower like a seed, you got to break through all the mud and the dirt and all of that. And then you start to blossom, but you got to remember that your healing is your responsibility because the people who broke you, they are not coming back to fix you. Okay. <laughs> and if you're waiting for them to do it, it had never happened. I would have still been depressed. <laughs> Thanks. Oh my gosh. I love that. And you're hitting on something that's so important. It, and it's so, and correct me if I'm wrong. There's a little bit of forgiveness in there, isn't there? Oh, there's a lot of forgiveness, like on forgiving all the people who have done me all the kind of ways and then forgiving myself. I had to forgive myself for wanting to leave my children, for wanting to take my life. Like I had to, forgiveness is laced all up and through me. Yes, absolutely. And I, ooh, we can dive into that for sure. But I want to quickly hit on what you were just saying about basically changing your daily habits, because mm -hmm. your daily habits contribute so much to how you think and how we think heavily influences how we act and, and what we say as well. So 
you said you started doing something different every single day, whether you cried in one place, now you're going to cry in a different place and now you're kind of moving. And so when you're talking to somebody who might be dealing with depression, who is just not even sure where to start, Mm -hmm. what would you suggest them doing if they just like can't even get out of bed? That I would suggest doing one thing differently, one thing differently. It may just be sit up instead of laying down. Like, I'm so serious. Do one thing differently every day. Maybe you're laying in your bed and you don't turn the TV on, turn the TV on the next day. Even if you don't pay attention to it or anything, just turn the TV on because it's small steps matter. And sometimes we are so fixated as people on the huge thing. Like it's always about the end goal. And the thing about it is there's a saying, how do you eat an elephant? one piece at a time. There's no other way. You can't consume it. So healing is not, let me say this, it can be instantaneous, right? It definitely can be. But sometimes it's steps. So like the woman, there's a woman in the Bible who had an issue of blood. She had to crawl through a crowd. She had to leave her house, crawl through the crowd, fight through all of that, and then get to Jesus. Those are steps. I'm pretty sure she had to have a conversation with herself This is where it blows my mind because she had to have a mental conversation with herself. She had spent all her money. She had visited all the doctors. Nobody could help her. Nobody can convince me that lady did not have a mental conversation with herself. Like, girl, Jesus is coming. Gotta get up out of this bed. They said he can heal you. Do whatever. That's a mental conversation. So like when you said it all starts in our mind. I know I read the Bible like a soap opera. So don't even start. I read it like it's a freaking oh, the juiciest book in the world because it has everything. I did to like, when I think about her story, I'm like, man, she had to be in her house. Like, this is crazy. Like, why am I going to go do this? I've spent all my money. No doctors can help me. And here comes this guy that people claim can do that. But she had the mental conversation with herself that translated into actions that manifested her healing. Oh, girl, I get excited. So that's how you have to think about your healing, like real life real time is okay i want to get out of this you gotta want to get out of it right and then little simple things different mental conversations and maybe you spent all day telling yourself like i'm not good enough to set the other just write one positive thing on a piece of paper and i'm a big sticky note queen like i have them like everywhere stick it on your wall like by where you roll over and see it just one thing i would tell them do one easy thing that you know, I can do this one thing and nobody can judge your healing process. So it can be overnight, it could be instantaneous, God can do anything, or it takes steps. It took me steps and I'm okay with that. So it might like sound crazy that I said, if you're laying down, sit up, but you'll literally start to feel so productive off something yeah. and, and you build up the um, resiliency, the courage to keep trying. And, and, you, and one day, and I promise, one day doing just little simple things, they'll wake up and they'll be like, man, okay, I'm feeling a little bit different. I'm doing a little bit better. Like I was crying in my bed, but I'm on my couch today. And that's gonna make all the difference, all of the difference.
Oh my gosh. I'm a big personal development person and mm -hmm. I'm very aware of my daily habits right. and how that affects my mental state. And so I feel like there's a lot of people out there who might be going through depression or anxiety or some very tough time in their lives who aren't 100% aware of their habits and the daily mm -hmm. things that they do. And so I'm going to talk about somebody who might be starting to feel better and now they're yeah. in that headspace of like, oh, well, I feel better. This is awesome. But I'm sure you can attest that sometimes that person can slip right back into depression if they're not aware of their habits. Yes, because it's triggering. So you have to remember we all suffer from triggers when we deal with trauma. So if you've dealt with any trauma, you have triggers. I'm the same. I'm big. Like I have four freedom pillars and it's the mind. It's your environment, like your friends, relationships it's habits, and then it's what you say to yourself. So thoughts, relationships, habits, and what you say to yourself. And if any one of those are off balance, you have the potential to be off balance. So let's say you're around toxic people, then you're gonna have toxic habits, then you're gonna start having toxic conversation, then your mindset goes. Or let's say you talk really bad to yourself. Now your thoughts are horrible, you're picking the wrong people, you have any way you go around the four freedom pillars, they're all dependent on each other. So my philosophy is I teach and coach people how to keep them balanced. And if you have to look at and be aware, like you said, I love what you said. Like it's about having self-awareness. It's about deciding to stop focusing on what this person did to me or what that happened. And we always, we love focusing on external because we can blame, we can point the finger. I always tell my people that I work with, I'm always going to point the finger back to you. Always. Because for me to get my marriage back on track, I had to point the finger at me because I'm the only person I can control. You can't change other people, but you can change you, which then changes the people that you're around, which then changes your mindset and so on and so forth. So I'm so in agreement with you. I'm so big on mindfulness and your habits because you are what you do and you attract it. My thing is this, you think a thought with your mind, you produce it with your words, and you manifest it with your actions. So I'm huge on teaching people that they're so much better for you. But if your mind and your thoughts are off, and then your words are off, you're going to manifest exactly where you're at. So don't complain about not, you know, being the top entrepreneur or your business not like you're manifesting that with your bad habits like you don't like getting up on time that's on you you a procrastinator that's on you these are habits but they stem from our mindset i'm super big on people paying attention and being mindful about their habits because you can also backtrack so if i am like a person who hits the snooze button let's backtrack like why do i do that because i didn't get enough sleep okay what time did you go to bed last night I went to bed this time. Well, why? Oh, because I was up having a conversation with so-and-so. Well, what were you talking about? And why were you having a conversation? Well, clearly they're not on the same. You can backtrack it. You kind of get what I'm saying? To figure out, like, why do I act this way? Why do I do this? Because we're a product of our environments. We really are. Absolutely. I'm glad that you gave that example of how somebody can start to become more self-aware because sometimes people yeah. don't know how to do that. And so I feel like that was super helpful. It's a lot of question asking. Yes. It's literally people are, will ask me like, how do you like do this every day? Because here's the truth. People don't like doing the internal work. 
we are we love doing vision boards. I'm like, I'm gonna be this, maybe a billionaire, maybe all these amazing things. You can't build millions over trauma. Okay, it just doesn't work. You can't be a boss and have and build it over trauma. Like your foundation will crumble you every time. And it's amassing questions and asking them every day. Now, to somebody that may sound really exhausting, okay? Like I do a clubhouse room every single morning. I've been doing it all year and I've watched people fall off because I literally had somebody tell me like, I stop coming to your room sometimes because I just don't want to hear the truth. I just don't want you to tell me that I have to do this internal work. And it was like so shocking to me. But to somebody who doesn't understand that you have to create a new habit to break an old one, what I say sounds exhausting, but you're doing it anyway. You're just doing it in the wrong ways. Like you're already, you're consistent. You're just consistently doing the wrong thing. You don't have commitment problems. You're just committed to your bad habits. You, you, you know what I mean? Like all these things we tell us, like, I'm just not consistent. I'm just, no. So it sounds exhausting what I'm saying, but you're doing it anyways in a toxic way. And what we, if we would fix our mind to say, it might be hard for 30 days. It may be hard the first two months, but eventually it will come as clockwork the way that my old habits were clockwork. You get what I'm saying? It will become natural. But initially people hear me and they're like, Oh, this sounds like a lot of work. I'm just going to build over my trauma. Don't worry about it. I'm like, okay, be my guest. I, I, a lot of my businesses went down because I tried to build them over trauma. If you ever want to talk about failed businesses due to your trauma, I'm your girl because it's not possible. Yes. Actually, can you touch on that for a, a second? Because I definitely know there are some entrepreneurs who listen to this podcast. And Nice tell us how that went down and how you started to realize that's what that's what went down yeah so so me and my husband like everybody in my family is an entrepreneur and then my husband we were best friends for five years my, my second husband we were best friend for five years and then we got married and he's an entrepreneur so we started it initially started me wanting to push his business so like i got into fitness and i became a fitness coach we had one of the like first meal prep companies in texas like we're doing all these, all of these things, but we were not fixing our issues in our marriage. So we tried so many times, girl, and we had a, here's the thing I want entrepreneurs to hear me. You will have phenomenal ideas. You will have groundbreaking inventions. Like we literally were one of the first meal prep companies out here. Okay. We were doing meal prep before meal prep was a thing. And we had a hundred meals a week that we were doing. We were doing it. But what happens when you don't deal with your issues and your trauma, it seeps into everything. So like we would argue and we would fuss and we would fight. And at the same time, like trying to be successful and it was so toxic and it just doesn't work. Then we branched off and tried to do our own thing, but I didn't deal with my trauma. You didn't deal with your trauma. It, so it constantly seeped into our businesses because you think about it you come out of an argument or you come out of a panic attack and you got to go speak on a stage or you got to go deliver be it be a, a personal trainer you got to go train your client your whole everything is off your vibe your attitude and you can only fake it till you make it for so long like i wish we would throw that away because that's so ridiculous like it's, it's so dumb 
you can only fake it till you make it for so long. There's going to be that one panic attack, that one argument, that one something. Like you're going to come in with a trashy attitude, and that client didn't ask for that. That audience didn't ask for you to speak to them out of your hurt places. Don't bleed on other people because you won't deal with your unhealed wounds. And I see entrepreneurs do it all the time, and it never works out. And so I had, we had so many amazing, and it has nothing to do with this is not for me, or that's the route we go down as entrepreneurs. Like maybe this isn't for me. And like, maybe I'm just not the one, or I just need to go back to nine to five. That it's not any of that. It's really not. You had a great idea. Yep. Your invention was like that. It was supposed to be the it thing. So many things that ideas we came up with, we would see them on TV and be like, are they tapping our phones? Like we were just talking about that and things like that. Cause we're, we're creatives and, but you miss your moments. You do, you miss your moment. And if you're not aware of this, you will process it wrong and you will walk away from your dreams and your destiny because you just thought it didn't work, but you're not working, but you're not working. And because of that, we miss opportunities. Like we are such limitless creatures. We are so phenomenal. There's nothing different than your favorite motivational speaker or a billionaire or Tesla. Like there's nothing different from them to you. The difference is that they deal with their own, their stuff. They own it and they deal with it. They have to, because they understand why is it that we see celebrities commit suicide, right? Why do you see people walk away from a company that they built all these years and they just drop it or they just sell it and they're like, I, I don't want to do anything. They didn't deal with their trauma. So for me, when I coach my entrepreneurs, I want them to understand that I need you to have a strong foundation. Because it only takes one thing to trigger you and trigger the wrong trigger that you haven't dealt with. It's crumbling down. It is coming down because you can't build a house on shaky foundation. And that's what we try to do with businesses. We try to build empires and our foundation is so shot. And then you partner up with a business for like, for example, you get a business partner that you chose from your trauma because you don't know how to choose the right people and they stole everything from you and you count it as God didn't have my back or this wasn't meant to No, you chose that business partner out of your trauma and they did exactly what they were supposed to do. They reacted like your trauma. It could girl, it could go so many, so deep, but I'm glad you talked about it because I, I need us as entrepreneurs, especially in, they're calling this the great resignation era that we're all resigning from our jobs. <laughs> we're like, no, screw this, we can work online. But I want us to be successful and not get caught up in the high of entrepreneurship right now. And five years, 10 years down the line, like you see so many people destroyed because it didn't work. That would be so devastating. Yeah, that is so true. And this is such a good conversation. I am really curious about how would you recommend somebody say if they're looking into entrepreneurship or they're like, there's this business that I really want to start and they're like on the verge of starting it. How would you recommend them checking themselves to make sure that they're in a good place to even start a business from a trauma and mental perspective? I think that you have to ask yourself. So I touched on it because we have these things where we say um like i'm just not disciplined enough to do x y and z or i'm just not consistent or i'm a procrastinator you should ask yourself what are your bad habits and be totally honest maybe ask some friends 
just in case you're not on the honest tree yet, we're not in the honest trust tree with ourselves, you should pull the people around you and you should ask yourself, what are my bad habits? And look at them and ask yourself, how will this affect my business? How will this affect my business? If these are my bad habits, what would be the outcome if I don't change them? Right? Don't lay down your dreams, your destinies, and your goals because you don't have to. Like, I genuinely believe we are all meant to do something phenomenal and great, and we don't have to be broke. That let's throw that out the window. Like, we do not have to be broke to be Christian entrepreneurs. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, how do we serve a God who has a whatever? Don't get me started. So, I we don't have to be, but we got to be honest. So, if you make a list of all your bad habits, and like I said, poll if you're not honest enough with yourself, or if you're honest enough to say, you know this and this and blah, 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 whatever, look at those things and, and understand and realize how these can affect your business. And while you're still doing it, because I say do it, but you need to get with somebody like me, like a clarity coach, somebody who, an accountability therapist, whichever that can help you work through those things while you're still going. One of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten as a coach is everybody who's ever worked with me, whether it was like a one-on-one group coaching, a session, they always tell me the things that you talk about or that you teach, I can use on every area of my life at any time. It's a system that I've created that works in every area of your life all the time, no matter what. So I've had people tell me I've gotten in my down moments and I go pick up, like I have a 21 um, days to mental freedom workbook and they go back and pick it up and they just go back through the steps. And what it does is it walks you through the four freedom pillars, your mindset, your relationships, your habits, and what you're saying to yourself. So to the greatest of them that are like doing really well in their business and now they're feeling some hardship, go back through the freedom pillars. You're just starting, go through the freedom pillars. And it, it makes you examine each of those areas so you can see where your holes are and you can work on them. Because like you said, it's about being mindful. It, you don't have to like, I'm not asking you to be a phenomenon overnight, but like it's the part of being aware. Self-awareness is one of the greatest things you can ever decide to do for yourself is self-awareness. So I would tell them, write down all of your bad habits and start there. <laughs> start there. I love that. I love that so much. And real quick, I know we're coming up on our time, but can you review the freedom pillars one more time? So it's your mindset, your relationships your habit and your speech, like your conversation with self. So that would be where your affirmations fall and things like that. Those four things, if you can balance them constantly and always be aware of them, I am like living testimony from on the floor trying to commit suicide to living my best life. Like I've never been more free that those four things being in balance matter. And when you get them in balance, let me say this, when you get them in balance, check on them just to make sure you don't want, you don't want anything to catch you off guard or sideswipe you. So just check on them after you work to get them at a very healthy level. Oh my gosh, Ariana, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom, sharing your story. I feel like there was just so much value delivered in this episode. (laughs) Is there anything final that you want to say to the listeners? Where can they find you? How could they acquire your coaching if they would want that? Yes. First, thank you so much. I I so enjoyed this conversation. I love that we touched so many. You kind of, you got all the pieces of me. So I like, love that. Here's the easiest part. Freedom Riders is F-R, spell freedom, F-R-E-E-D-O-M. And Riders 
is spelled R-I-D-A-H-S. You search that anywhere. And if you want to work with me, best bet is going to my Instagram and there's a link in my bio and there's many things you can do. I do free freedom calls, um, one-on-one coaching. I have a brand new, oh, I'm so excited. If you don't mind, if I could say this, I have a brand new course that I'm doing. It's a 90 day accelerated course to plan out your manifestation plan for 2022. And I'm so excited about it. You're going to gain clarity in who you are. You're going to gain clarity and what you want. Then we're going to build the foundations to getting to it. My thing is we are so good at making vision boards, but we don't have a plan. Like we get super excited about all these pictures and da, 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 da. And then like halfway through the year, you forgot about it. You threw it in a corner. And so I'm doing an accelerated 90 day program where we're going to go through everything. And it's called purpose, plan, and profit. Because it matters what your purpose is. Then you have to have a plan. Then you profit. Sometimes we chase profit first. No. So purpose, plan, profit is kicking off September 1st. We're going to end right before December. So everybody's like freaking boss going into the 2022 with the best plan that they ever had. That's actually going to manifest something. I'm so sick of us doing things that don't turn out into anything. So I'm excited about that. So Freedom Riders everywhere. Instagram is the best space. And again, I thank you so much. I love this conversation. I do too. Thank you so much. I really hope people go and do that 90 day course because that is incredible. And lastly, before we end, I want to go ahead and pray for you and pray out. Yeah. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day, Lord God. Thank you so much for bringing Ariana into my life. She is such an incredible human being. I thank you so much for the light that you've given her and the protection that you've had over her life. You are working so hard behind the scenes for this woman and through this woman that I can just tell the world is such a better place with her here and it's going to continue to get better and better the more people that she helps and the more lives that she's able to touch, Lord God. And I thank you so much for allowing her and giving her the strength to press on through the hard times and inspiring her to really help others and giving her that heart for helping people. And I pray for all the listeners who are hearing this message right now. I pray that you will awaken in them a spirit of action to take action if they really want to access Ariana's services, that they go ahead and go to her Instagram, Lord God, and that they get the help that they need. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, I love that. Okay. I'm not going to cry anymore, but I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked the episode, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with a friend you feel like needs to hear it because everyone deserves to experience growth and freedom. And as for you, I would love to get to know you and hear your feedback on the podcast. So I invite you to reach out to me on Instagram at growing to be Kiani or on the grow to be free podcast Facebook page. And if you're looking for community and connection, join the grow to be free club on clubhouse. Until next time, see you soon.